On March 23, 2006, a New York City Department of Transportation worker discovered an unusual stockpile of survival gear that was to be used in the event of a nuclear attack. The stockpile was located on the top floor of a three-story space in the body of the Brooklyn Bridge. They found empty water drums, medical supplies, and even high-calorie crackers. These provisions were dated 1957 and 1962. Now those dates are very significant because that's when the United States and the Soviet Union, the former Soviet Union, was deadlocked in the middle of what was called a Cold War. You see, in 1957, the Soviets had launched their first satellites into space and that scared the stew out of the United States. But then they continued in 1962 to build up their missiles in Cuba in what was called the Cuban Missile Crisis. But these containers that were found were marked clearly open after the attack by the enemy. Friend, can I tell you this morning, we are under attack. You're under attack. I'm under attack, our families are under attack, our church is under attack, and our community is all under attack. But the enemy that we're facing is not only this coronavirus. This enemy will not be defeated by missiles. It will not be defeated by guns. It will not be defeated by drums of water, medical supplies, or high-calorie crackers. This enemy's attack can only be defeated by the prayers of God's people. So today I want us to see how you and I can be used to pray for Easter. In Luke chapter 9, in verse 57, Jesus begins to remind us of the cost of our commitment. And beginning in verse 57, Luke describes it saying, Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, to Jesus, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father." Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. After these things in chapter 10, verse 1, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. And then he said to them, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray, say pray, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. 
Friend, did you see that Jesus sent committed, praying people to prepare the way prior to his arrival in those cities? Now, last week's message ended by focusing on the cost of our commitment. The cost of our commitment to rescue those who are perishing. And part of the cost of that commitment that we're going to discover today is praying. Praying for our community. Praying for our families. Praying for our circle of friends to join us being laborers and servants of the Lord. And so today I want to share three principles of prayer that will help us achieve that goal of preparing the way for Jesus to come this Easter. Your first principle of prayer is praying with purpose. Praying with purpose. Now we all know that Jesus called and sent 12 apostles to preach the kingdom of God. But then we see that Jesus also appointed and sent 70 regular church folk. Regular church folk to pray and proclaim that the kingdom of God was indeed coming. Now get this. Jesus was entrusting the growth of his kingdom not only to preachers, but also to all believers. And what was their mission? To go and pray. Go and pray. They were to go and pray to the Lord of the harvest to send more laborers, to send more servants of God because Jesus knew that the needs of the people were huge. Jesus wanted these 70 church folks to start seeing people as he sees people. He wanted these 70 to see the people who were broken, see the people who were lonely, see the people who were empty, see the people who were lost, see those who had no hope. They were to go and pray. These 70 believers were to go and raise awareness that Jesus has come to heal their brokenness, to heal their loneliness and their emptiness and their lostness. And that's our purpose. That's our purpose as well, to pray with purpose. So what specifically are we to do? Well, we need to pray. Pray, first of all, with insight. How are we to pray for those that we don't even know? Well, let's just pray that God would fill their greatest need. Perhaps it's to be saved. Maybe it's to get a job. Maybe it's uh, health issues. Maybe we need to be praying for freedom from the bondage of addiction. Whatever the case may be, we need to pray. We need to pray for their children. We need to pray for their parents. We need to pray for their grandparents. We need to pray for that single parent. We need to pray for all the families in our community. Pray that they will discover the light of Jesus and pray that you might be the one to reflect his light to them. Pray with insight. But we must also pray intentionally. You know, we always ought to be sensitive to how God is leading us to pray for people. We need to learn to pray specifically for these in our community who need to hear the good news. The good news that God offers 
forgiveness, that God offers peace, that God offers His grace through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We need to learn to pray intentionally for those people in our community to be saved. But we must also learn to pray with the heart of an intercessor. Romans chapter 8 verse 26 tells us that the Spirit of God helps us in our weaknesses. For we don't know what we should pray as we should. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us. What is an intercessor? An intercessor is one who stands in the gap. One who stands in the gap. The Holy Spirit stands in the gap between us and the Father. But what gap should we stand in for other people? Well, we stand in the gap between a person and their need for God. We tell them how they can get to God. We stand in the gap between a person and their need for God to do a mighty work in their life. We need to pray asking God to fill that need in their life. Friend, we're called to pray and we're called to pray with the heart of an intercessor. So the prayer of purpose is constantly looking for opportunities. Constantly looking for opportunities to pray specifically with people and pray specifically for people's needs. Now the second principle of prayer is praying with power. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Word of God tells us that the Christian is the temple, that is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of God who is in us, whom we have from God, and we are not our own. We are not our own. We're reminded that we were bought with a price. Therefore, we ought to glorify God with our body and our spirit. Why? Because they're His anyway. They're His. But then we're also reminded in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, you will receive power and you shall be witnesses unto me, Jesus said. So when we put those verses together... Friend, can we say that the Holy Spirit has come upon us but not share the good news? Friend, can we say that we're saved but don't tell anybody about it? Friend, can we say that Jesus has redeemed us and the Holy Spirit lives in us but hold back the life-saving cure that so many people desperately need? Friend, can we say that we're saved can we say that we're uh, saved but not realize that we have the power to testify to others about the sacrificial and glorious resurrection of Jesus? Friend, when Jesus appointed and he sent those 70 church folk to every city and to every place he'd visit, he sent them with authority. With authority. Authority to do what? Authority to pray. To pray with power. He sent them with power to influence people. He sent them with the ability to make more disciples. He sent them with the clout to pray directly to the Lord of the harvest. He sent them with strength to face whatever it is they might come, whatever might, they might face. Jesus empowers those whom he sends. And listen, my friend. He sends you. 
sends you to pray with purpose and to pray with power. Praying with power, if you boil it down, it's really trusting the Holy Spirit of God to show you the who, the what, and the where to pray. He sends you to pray for our community. But there's a third principle of prayer that I want to share with you this morning. And that is praying for participation. Praying for participation. With their purpose clear and their power established, all that was left for them to do was go forth in obedience. But they'd have to be careful, Jesus said. They'd have to be careful. It wasn't going to be easy. Jesus was sending them out as lambs among wolves. They would surely meet with much opposition. Can I tell you, friend, that we too are sent as lambs among wolves. But our opposition is a lot different from these 70 church folk that Jesus sent. You see, our greatest opposition is self. Our greatest opposition is getting up and being obedient to the Lord day after day. Now many overcome that opposition, but many do not. And I want to tell you, if you choose not to pray, if you choose not to pray with purpose and with power, I want you to see just what you're going to be missing. Because you see, when these 70 prayer warriors came back, they weren't all worn out. When they came back, they weren't exhausted. When they came back to Jesus, they weren't disillusioned and discouraged and disappointed. No! Verse 17 says, they returned with the joy of surprise. Verse 17 in chapter 10 of Luke says, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They were joyfully surprised that their prayers were being answered in Jesus' name. But when they returned and received, and received the Lord, they also came in the joy of their salvation. And Jesus reminded them of this in verse 20. He said, nevertheless, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice. Be joyful because your names are written in heaven. Listen, friend, demons may know you, but what's more important is that God knows you. Amen? But not only did they return in the joy of surprise and the joy of salvation, they returned and observed the joy of our Savior. Look in verse 21 of chapter 10. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced. Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, so it seemed good in your sight. 
Friends, nowhere in the Bible is it recorded of Jesus being any more filled with joy than he is right here in verse 21. These 70 prayer warriors that were praying for the cities and praying for the communities, these 70 prayer warriors, they made Jesus happy. And I believe that our joy will be very similar to the 70 that Jesus sent. Now, friend, on April the 12th, we're going to celebrate Easter. We don't know exactly how it's going to go down yet, but we're going to celebrate Easter, and we're going to praise God for the glorious resurrection of His Son. But I pray that because of your prayers, we're going to see firsthand what the purpose, the power, and what participation in prayer can do in a community like ours. Jesus sent praying people to prepare the way for him prior to his visit. Friend, will you pray for our community? Will you prepare for the arrival of Jesus? Do you believe in prayer? Do you believe that God responds to the prayers of his people? Well, let me tell you about a study that was made in 1998. Dr. Randy Bird with the American Heart Association conducted this study. Now, you need to understand that Dr. Bird was not a Christian, that the Heart Association is not a Christian organization, and this study was not a Christian study. But the main question of the study was this. Does prayer have any impact on a patient's healing? The study observed 393 heart patients there at Duke University Hospital. And without the patients knowing it, there were some other people who were asked to pray on their behalf. 96 of those 393 patients were prayed for. The people praying were given the names of the patients, their diagnosis, and were asked to pray for healing and recovery. The prayer warriors did not know the people they were praying for. They just prayed. And the patients didn't know that they were being prayed for. Friend, does it surprise you to learn that those who were being prayed for did far better than those who were not prayed for? Recovery rates, hospital stays, length of medication, the type of procedures needed were all far better for the group that was prayed for. In other words, prayer made a difference. You think? Amen? Prayer will also make a difference in our community as well. Now, friend, the true test of your relationship with God is not what you say you're going to do. It's not what you say. It's not that you say, I'm a Christian. It's not that you say, I'm a member of Bethel Baptist Church. It's not that you say, I was baptized years ago. No, the true test of your relationship with God is not what you say, but what you allow God to do through you. 
Here are some quotes from some people, perhaps people that you know, that allowed God to work through them. God heard my prayers for my family, and now they have a relationship with Christ, and they're part of our church family. I was so nervous, but God spoke through me as I told that man that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I didn't feel like I had much to offer, but the truth is this. God heard my prayers and did a mighty work in the life of that little girl. The test of your faith and the test of your relationship with God is not what you say. is what you allow God to do through you. As you, as you view this brief video this morning, I want you to be praying that you will ask God to send you, just like he did those 70 church folks so many years ago, and I pray that you too will pray for our community this Easter for the needs that they have and their need to worship. Here I am, Lord. I don't want to walk by myself and pack on a burden I'm not required to carry. I want to do this in your power, your strength. Because honestly, I love you. So I'm asking, how do I do this? How do I overcome my fears and reach out to my neighbor? How do I evangelize in my sphere of influence? I'm willing. I mean, if Tom needs a truck to move, he can use mine. Cheryl's patio is falling down. I've got a bunch of tools. I'll build her a new one. I'll spring for the lumber. Or if Jack still wants to visit Aunt Betty in North Dakota, I'll buy him a ticket. I want to love them, and not just with words, but action. You say you've come to seek and to save the lost to give them life and life to the full. And I've tasted that, so I pray for your life to be part of their life. And I pray that I could play a part of giving that. This neighborhood, this community, it's my mission field, right? But I don't know where else to begin, so I'm praying here. I want to serve you with my entire life. So here I am, Lord. Send me. Dear Lord, our prayer this morning is that your people will not only talk the good game, but they'll allow you to do the good work through us. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning that we will be fervent to pray with purpose, to pray with power, and to pray with participation with one another as we lift up our prayers to you asking 
for blessings on our community this Easter. Father, we're going forth like the 70 did before with Jesus. And Father, I ask you, Lord, to hear our prayers. And Father, to draw in the net, to draw in the harvest, Father, that many people might come to know Jesus and have a relationship with you because your people were fervent to pray. Father, I pray that there, if there is one person here, one person that is within earshot of my voice, that doesn't have a relationship with you through Jesus Christ, that they would realize that indeed the wages of sin is death, but that you gave us a gift, a gift of your grace, a gift of salvation, a gift of eternal life that comes through your Son, Christ Jesus, our Lord. In his name we pray these things.